0: Psalm 33 is where we're going to be this morning, and it's the last Sunday of our series on the Psalms, and every week of this series, we have had a different theme from the Psalms, and we're going to end our series of the Psalms with the theme of life, and that's such a fitting theme because we serve the God of life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. And so we wanna end this series by focusing on the one whom we serve, not the God of death, but the God of life. So we're gonna start this morning because the Psalms, just like we heard in, uh, in Psalm 33, the Psalms continue to call us back to creation. So here's the neighborhood question, and we can go ahead and get the lights up. Um, our neighborhood question this morning is what, is what in God's creation connects you spiritually with God? For, it could be different for all of us. But when you think about it, so for me, um, I love the ocean. And so when Wendy and I have had opportunities to go on a cruise, I will just sit and I will just sit there and just stare at the ocean. I can do it for hours, I can do it for days. And there's something about the vastness of the ocean that I just, I feel like I'm right there with God in his majesty. So what is it for you? And it could be multiple things. So what is it in creation that you feel connected to God and what specifically is it that you think you feel in that moment? All right, so get together there with people around you, share what it is for you. If you don't wanna do it, don't have to do it, just, Pretend to pray or something, and we'll keep going. All right, go. There is so much. We can see God everywhere. And at Romans one twenty says, for everything about God is invisible qualities. Everything that we can know about God is clearly seen by what he has made. God is a God of metaphor, and he puts himself into everything that he's made. So when the psalmist is finding himself in a place of chaos... <laughs> when he finds himself in a place of discord, he finds himself in a place of, of death, he goes back to creation. And you know what, I, I find oftentimes, the, the further I get in my spiritual journey, we like, to, we like to try and make things so complicated. But I love that the psalmist takes us back to creation because the reality is, that from the beginning of creation, this story is fairly simple. If we go back to Genesis chapter one, we find that God is the God of life. He creates life. He sustains life. He he gives humanity life and he calls it good. God is the God of life. And in the garden where it all began, there are basically just three characters. We have God, we have the human, and we have the serpent. And in that garden, the serpent shows that the enemy wants to do whatever he can do to destroy anything that God has done. If God is the God of life, the serpent wants to bring death. If God is the God of order, the serpent wants to bring chaos. If God is the God of goodness, the serpent wants to bring badness. And so, at the very beginning, the serpent begins with a really well-worn playbook. This playbook's never changed. It's to question, did God really say that you can't eat of the tree of the fruit, good and evil? Did God really say? And that's what he does with us today. It doesn't change. Did God really make you a girl? Did God really make you a boy? It's the same lie. It's the same questioning. And, of course, we believe the lie. And so from the beginning, right there in Genesis chapter 3, God says, okay, because you did what the serpent told you, because you believed the lie and you ate the tree, you're going to be banished from the garden. And from that point on, this book is really about one thing. The great story is about the death problem. Because after Adam and Eve' sin, God, the God of life and creation, basically says, "Now that you have eaten from the tree and you've disobeyed me and you've believed the lie, you're going to go out of the garden, and guess what? From this point on, you are going to work by the sweat of your brow, life is going to be hard, childbirth is going to be painful, and someday your body is going to die. And oh, by the way, serpent. Someday, the offspring of the woman is going to go to you toe to toe and you're going to crush his heel, but he's going to crush your head. So the great story is all right there. And through the rest of the story, it's basically the same theme. God says, okay, I need to do something about the death problem. So he begins with Abraham and he he calls and creates his people. And his people become a nation, but they're enslaved to the Egyptians the same way we're enslaved to sin. And he delivers his people. In fact, he has the angel of death pass over his people. All those who were doorposts were covered in the blood of the lamb. Death passed over. You think God was trying to say something? Yeah, he's trying to foreshadow exactly what's going to happen. So God's people are delivered from their slavery. But guess what? They continue (laughs) to listen to the serpent who tells them not to trust God, who tells them that these other gods are more uh, fun to follow. Don't worship the God of life, worship the God of child sacrifice. Don't worship the God of life, worship the God of your appetites. Don't worry about being right before God, just eat, drink, have sex, be merry, because eventually you're gonna die, and that's okay. And so God sends a king named David, who through his Psalms continues to say, no, 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 follow God, go back, look at the creation, look at the trees, look at the heavens, look at the sea. Follow the God of life. But the people don't listen. And for hundreds of years, they chase after these dead, non-living idols. They continue to listen to the serpent, the enemy, Satan, the evil one, who continues to deceive and say, did God really say? So then eventually, God sends prophets to say, turn back to me. Turn back to me. You know, when in Deuteronomy, uh, the, let me get the reference here. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 19 uh, through 20, God tells the Hebrews at the very beginning of their journey, this day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life that it may go well with you and your children may live and you may love the Lord your God and listen to his voice and hold fast him for the Lord is your life. Yeah, choose life. When I told Wendy last week, I was talking to Hannah about about the message this morning. I said, yeah, it's gonna be kind of choose life. And Wendy said, sounds like a bumper sticker. But doesn't it? Doesn't it? You've probably seen that bumper sticker. Some of us are old enough to remember Wham! You hear Choose Life, you think of George Michael with you know, Choose Life on his T-shirt. But it's so much more than a bumper sticker. It is the very theme of the entire great story. I set before you life and death. And then when the prophets come, and God said, hey, if you don't turn away from your deception, if you don't turn away from your appetites, if you don't turn away from choosing all these lifeless idols, you are going to be sent into exile. And Jeremiah actually said, through Jeremiah says, here's what the Lord says, I am setting before you death and life. And he tells the people of Jerusalem, right before the Babylonians, he says, if you stay in Jerusalem, you will die but if you surrender to the Babylonians, my servant, and go into exile, you will live. It's the same thing. So the people go into exile and they come back out of exile and they rebuild Jerusalem, but guess what? They continue to listen to the enemy. They continue to choose death. So God eventually sends his son His incarnate Word. So when John tells the story of Jesus, you know what he does? He goes back to creation. In the beginning was the Word, capital W, the incarnate Word. And the Word was with God, the Word was God. Three in one, circle of love. Through him, everything was made. There's nothing in creation that he didn't make. In him was life and that life was the light of men. And the light shone in the darkness and the darkness has never understood it. So Jesus came and he showed us life and he showed us the light and Jesus said, The serpent, the evil one, Satan, the enemy, he came to rob, kill, and destroy. Because that's what he does. He's been doing that since the Garden of Eden. That's what he's going to do through the rest of history. He came to rob you of your joy. He came to kill your faith. He came to destroy your hope and he's still doing it from the same playbook because it works. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the what? Life, he who believes in me will never die. Jesus came to deal with the death problem once and for all. And how did he deal with it? Well. The enemy convinced God's people to crucify Jesus, to kill him, to kill the life. And how did they do it? Well, they drove a nail through his heels, just like it said in the beginning. He will bruise your heel. So they killed him. But here's the thing that they didn't know. Life finds a way. Death is not the end. Jesus rose from the dead and death was swallowed up in his victory. The death problem is taken care of once and for all. You know, I love this, the fact that all, I've said it many times, all the stories, all good stories are a reflection of the great story. Jurassic Park, everybody seen Jurassic Park? Yeah. There's this great scene in Jurassic Park where <clears throat> Richard Attenborough Hammond is the character's name. He creates this park. He finds a way to take DNA out of mosquitoes in amber and create dinosaurs and to manipulate their DNA so that only female dinosaurs are born, so that they don't reproduce. And Jeff Goldblum (laughs) plays this mathematician and in this famous line he says, "Uh, there's a problem. He said, if there's one thing that evolution has taught us, It's that life um, finds a way. Now, here's the thing. You can cloak it in godless evolution all you want, but basically the story of Jurassic Park is of a man rebuilding the Tower of Babel, trying to play God by, instead of building a tower with bricks and mortar, he's building it with DNA strands proving that he is the God of life. I can bring these dead dinosaurs back to life. And Jeff Goldblum is the one saying, "Um, you know what? If there's anything that we know about the God of creation, it's that he will not be mocked. And life um, finds a way. Same story So, here's the thing that I know about all of us in this room this morning. Every one of us in our our daily journey, our life, our relationships, our work, Satan is using the same playbook with us. And what I know from my own experience, and I know from walking with friends and loved ones through this life, it's still the same three characters. There's God, there's me, and there's the evil one. It's still the same theme. I came, Tom, that you might have what? Life, full life, abundant life, eternal life. And the enemy still wants to rob, steal, and destroy. And the choice is still there. I can choose life, I can choose death. I can listen and follow God, or I can listen and fall prey to the lies of this world. That is the offspring of the evil one. and basically uses the same thing. Shame is a big one, shame. Did God really say he would forgive you because I know what you've done? Yeah, that time that you thought you were alone, you know you weren't alone, God saw it. God sees you for the fraud that you are. God sees you for the awful, evil, hypocritical person because he knows. And do you think he's really going to forgive you? Or he comes to us and says, you know what? You know that thing that, that, that your parents always said to you about you being worthless and stupid and you'll never amount to anything and you'll never grow up to be worth anything? Yeah, believe that. And so we grow up in our sense of worthlessness and shame. My God says, no, 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 no. Don't you know that when you come to me, even though you are dead in your transgressions and your sins, I will forgive your sins. We do not serve the God of condemnation. We serve the God of salvation. Do you remember when we had baptism two weeks ago? Do you remember the word picture? That's what Romans, if you look at Romans six, the first four verses, he says, don't you know that when you were baptized, you were baptized in the likeness of his, you were buried with Christ, your sins dead. And then when you were raised out of the water, you have been raised, you in the likeness of his resurrection, you have new life, your sins forgiven. First John 1 9 says, if you confess your sins, God is faithful and just, he will forgive your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. So shame may be killing your face brothers and sisters, life finds a way. God came to deliver you from your shame. The enemy uses our brokenness, (laughs) he does. We're broken physically, some of us have ailments. We're broken mentally, we have depression or anxiety or who knows what. Maybe we're just listening to the lies for too long. We're broken because we've given ourselves over to things that have kept us down. We're broken because we've been the victims of the enemy's offspring who have broken us, who've stolen our innocence, who have killed our hope, who have robbed us of any self-esteem. But that's, why God told Jeremiah, Jeremiah, I want you to go to the potter's house. I want you to go, and he goes to the potter's house and he sees that pot on the wheel and is begging the thing gets marred and it just falls apart in the potter's hand and becomes this worthless lump of clay. And then he watches and, and God says, watch, 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 watch. And he begins to mold that pot again. And why did God send Jeremiah to the potter's house? because he wanted to say, Jeremiah, you may be a broken vessel, but I am not the God of destruction, I'm the God of restoration. I use broken things because life finds a way. And some of us, we struggle in our fears, We're afraid, we're alone. We feel outnumbered by our troubles and our enemies. And fear paralyzes. Fear keeps us walled up, hunkered down, defensive position. We're so afraid of what's gonna come next in the attack that we just hunker down. And pretty soon, all we feel is the darkness and the isolation and the aloneness and the fear of everything else. And that's exactly how Elisha's servant felt. He and Elisha were walking along and all of a sudden the Aramean army had come for Elisha because Elisha had been divinely telling the Israelite army where the Arameans were gonna be. So every time they tried to surprise them, the Israelites already knew it. And they said, well, how do we know that? It's because this guy, this prophet Elisha. So they go to find Elisha and he wakes up out of his tent and here's the Aramean army all surrounding him and his servant. And his servant is what? He's afraid. And Elisha goes, don't be afraid. Why? Because there are more here with us than there are against us. And his servant said, are you nuts? And Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of his spirit. And at that moment, the eyes of his servant's spirit were open, and he looked, and all around them were an army of thousands of angels sitting on chariots of fire, because life finds a way. Jesus said, "Don't be afraid. Why? Because I have overcome the world. Don't be afraid because death is swallowed up in victory. I have come to deal with the death problem. I have dealt with it once and all, and once and for all, and you can walk in the life of my resurrection." So this morning, I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up here. Whatever it is that you bring with you this morning, whatever was in that backpack when you walked in, fear, shame, brokenness, aloneness, faithlessness, hopelessness, brokenness. I'm here to tell you, my friends, my brothers and sisters, that life, Finds a way because he is the way. And you can hold on to the truth that he wants to bring life to you. So, some action steps. We got those up here. Preston, can you pull up? You got the action steps for me? Couple things. Here's an idea write a letter to God. Sit down, write a letter and describe to God in your letter what is death like in your heart, your spirit, your life today? What is it that that is robbing you, killing you, destroying your faith or your hope, your love? Pour it out to him, just like David poured it out in the Psalms, pour it out and let him hear you. Because remember when Amy said, don't worry about it, just pray honestly, pray fervently. Pray, but don't be be afraid of pouring it out in front of God. So do that. Do it in the letter. Write it down, okay? And then in that letter, choose to trust that life will find a way and explore what God wants to do for you in that. Read or listen to Psalm 33 a couple of times. Listen to it every day. Read it every day this week. And remember what we've talked about this morning. Number three, write a short psalm yourself. If you, maybe he uses six verses, seven verses. How, what would you say to God? Just like David did. God, yes. Army can't save you. Horse can't save you. I trust in you. I go back to creation. I believe in you. Or fourth, find a photo, a video, an artwork, something, um, that, is a picture or reminds you of what you talked about in our neighborhood time. What is it that creation, that piece of creation that connects you and reminds you that you serve the God of life? Put it up in front of you. Put it somewhere where you see it every day. Put it in the bathroom mirror. Put it on your desk that you can be reminded every time you see it that I serve the God of life. Forgiveness, restoration, redemption, wholeness, Goodness, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. We need that reminder because the enemy is not going to stop whispering in your ear. The enemy is not going to stop asking you, did God really? The enemy is not going to stop tempting you to give in to the ways of death. But if we are not actively seeking, asking, knocking at the door of God's word and his spirit, we'll get sucked back into it every time. All right. Let's stand and pray. God bless us. God of life. We come before you. We bring to you all of our brokenness, all of our shame, all of our fears, and we just ask, Lord, for your life to fill us. We ask to know the blessing of your forgiveness, your restoration. We worship you. Thank you, Lord, that you always find a way. So we seek you. Show us the way. In Jesus' name.